The Soccer Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Price Picks. Go to pricepicks.com slash SGPN and use code SGPN for a first deposit match up to $100. We're also brought to you by Hall of Fame Bets, the sports betting research platform for parlays, player props and game lines. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com. Use code SGPN to get 50% off your first month and start making smarter bets today. And finally, we're also brought to you by the MMA Gambling Podcast, who have just launched their YouTube channel. To celebrate, we're giving away a MMA Gambling Podcast hoodie. Head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash MMA hoodie for all the details. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash MMA hoodie for all the details. A repeat of last season's final as United and Newcastle meet in Carabao Cup round four. Can this competition act as a soothing balm after Manchester Derby disappointment? Livermento too good for him. Livermento still going. Terrific run from the fullbacks. Made a lot of ground here. Livermento. It's a great ball as well. 1-0 Newcastle. The substitute with a fine finish, but it was made by the powerful run of Tino Libramento. Willock, back comes to low. Drops towards the edge of the air. Oh, what a strike! What an unbelievable goal that is. Goodness me, Lewis Hall, of all people, finding the net from the edge of the area. United couldn't clear it. Space here for Delo. Has a go. But Dubravka dived like he knew it was going wide. Garnacho. Great effort that. Stung the palms of the goalkeeper. First time Martin Dubravka really called into action. Amrabat. It's a good challenge. Willock. Driving run. What a strike. He drove unchallenged through the midfield. And Joe Willock may just have knocked out the holders. Trippier swings it in. As far as that long staff who lines it up. Oh, goodness me, how close was that? That was a screamer. We're right behind it. I thought that was heading for the top corner. So did I. At the fourth round stage, United nil, Newcastle United three. You are listening to BetMUFC here on the Soccer Gambling Podcast. You can follow BetMUFC on X at BetMUFC. That's at BetMUFC. You can follow the Soccer Gambling Podcast at SGP Soccer. That's at SGP Soccer. We are on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. You can follow on X at the SGP Network. That's at the SGP Network or at Gambling Podcast. That's at Gambling Podcast. And finally, you can also follow my other Twitter account where I post my monthly profit and loss spreadsheet every single month. That is at X. That's at X. I post a spreadsheet every month and then I pin it to the top of the page. So the pin tweet will always be the profit and loss spreadsheet, the PL from the previous month. 
At the moment, you can see the month of September that's soon to be replaced by the month of October. The month of September delivered £2,750 of profit, good for just under $3,500. And the month of October was the 125th month in a row of transparent track profit, meaning I've been undefeated every single month in sports betting for a decade. If you want to do further research, and I encourage you, you don't need to scroll all the way down the X accounts and found the other spreadsheets. I've made it easier for you to do your due diligence by posting all of the spreadsheets on the lockbetting.com website. Just head over to lockbetting.com. That's the same place where you can sign up if you are satisfied with the spreadsheets and to get my additional place. There are multiple packages on there, including podcasts, soccer, and the Ultimate Pack. The Ultimate Pack is all sports, and that's the one that's tracked on the spreadsheet. If you have further questions, you can shoot those questions to me over on X. Once again, it's at X. That's at X. One of the things I encourage you to do when you look through those spreadsheets is not only look at the bottom where you can see the actual profit, the outgoings versus the incomings, because I can already tell you they're all in profit. But look at the type of bets we do, because we make betting accessible for anybody with a disposable income because we manage a bankroll impeccably and sensibly. If you... um don't have a disposable income, you shouldn't be betting because gambling ain't going to solve your life issues. It's not going to get you out of a debt or a crisis, but I can make it a profitable hobby for you or for anybody else that does have that disposable income and you don't need to do five unit plays, five star plays, 10 unit plays, um, whale plays, max plays, play of the year nonsense. No, it's all sensible staking, usually half unit or a unit. Very rarely do we go over that. We only do that for futures really, but that's because we have a futures record of over 80%. So 80% on futures, which justifies why we sometimes do go higher than that one unit threshold. So let's move on with this edition of BetMUFC. I've almost run out of things to say about this team, about how disappointing it is to watch them on a weekly basis. This was my birthday on November the 1st. And this was unfortunately what I decided to do. Take my son, take him out of school, travel down to Manchester and to watch Manchester United put out an absolutely woeful performance. Even on the highlights, you could hear that Manchester United were largely reduced to a couple of shots from outside of the box. Man United did rotate, but it was not as heavily as Newcastle, who only had three regular starters on the field. And that's probably being generous. Three starters beat us on this night, which means essentially a lot of the players who were involved in a relegation race with Newcastle prior to the takeover, who still remain in the squad, were the players that went out here and beat Manchester United convincingly at Old Trafford in a tournament where we were defending a trophy. We were defending this trophy from last season and we went out against a second-string Newcastle, a group of players who were trying to stay in the Premier League a couple of years ago, just knocked us out, which kind of tells you how poor Manchester United were on this day. And it is getting more and more difficult to watch Manchester United and to try and work out what they are actually doing. Last season, after a 
uh, after a very poor start, it was clear that Manchester United went back to being an organised team who sat in a block and tried to penetrate you on the counter-attack with fast breaks. That's how things started and worked with a victory over Liverpool. Manchester United were very, very good at setting up with a defensive wall and scored two counter-attacking goals via Sancho and Rashford en route to a 2-1 victory over Liverpool. We then carried that on for big games and we took the confidence of those victories into smaller games and largely dominated the ball and had more ball possession the way Eric Ten Hag says he wants to play in the games against minor teams with the difference being that we were showing the capability of breaking them down. Unlike under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and other managers, Man United were very much a side-to-side team who never really had that penetration. We did show that through the, for the most part last season. However, since winning the Carabao Cup, our win percentage has reduced significantly. And so far this season, I think it's fair to say that Manchester United are yet to even put out one good performance. Not one 7 out of 10 performance has been seen by Manchester United so far. The season just hasn't started. The wins that we do have do seem like they are lucky or fortunate. Obviously, the argument can be made the other way as well. Manchester United probably should have come away with the victory away to Arsenal. Man United were unlucky not to be given a penalty and and go in at half-time against Tottenham with a 1-0 lead. But you can't continue to use those excuses. Whilst they are valid, you can't turn around and say that has had a knock-on effect that has caused the team to continue playing like this because that just wouldn't be the case. That doesn't explain why Marcus Rashford looks like a different player. That doesn't explain why the likes of um, Rafa Varane and Casemiro make it look like Real Madrid had us over in the deal. I mean, looking at the way these two play, it's... It's advised that Manchester United don't ever do any transfer business with Real Madrid again because logically you would look at the performances of these two players and come to the conclusion that Real Madrid knew exactly what they were doing and exactly what they were selling to Manchester United. And why would anybody leave Real Madrid? Or the better question is why would Real Madrid let anybody go? You would only assume that they know that they are coming to the end of their tenure and Real Madrid have better options. Because at this moment in time, when you're comparing Casemiro to all of the midfield options that Real Madrid have, when you're looking at even Luka Modric, who's obviously getting close to 40, Tony Cruz, obviously Jude Bellingham, too many... Camavinga, you would argue that all five players are in better shape than Casemiro and provide more to any midfield than Casemiro does at the moment. And the injury records of Varane and Casemiro, Casemiro wasn't so bad last season, Varane's always been poor, but now both are incredibly poor and unreliable. Casemiro's injury now means he's going to be out for seven weeks. And Varane has always played around about 50% of the games since he signed. It's also concerning this season that it looks like his legs have gone. He put in a very good and competent performance, what I thought was a man of the match performance in the opening game against Wolves. But since then, Varane has looked a shell of himself. And I believe truly that both players do want out of the club. At least Man United have the net underneath them of Saudi money, which means that the money that they overpaid for Casemiro and Varane won't be as significant when they can probably 
recoup a large amount of it back. I would imagine that Casemiro could be sold to Saudi for around about £45 million, which would mean that Man United have taken a loss of £25 million on the player, but you would accept that given Casemiro's positive contributions last year. Certainly not the case this season. As for Varane, he would probably go in the region of around about £25 million, which means you would take a £20 million loss on Varane. But given the circumstances, losing £45 million on those two players and um, getting a couple of seasons out of, um, what well, it'd be three seasons out of Iran by the time he goes, three very, very poor seasons, the poorest probably of his career, and two out of Casemiro, and recouping that money with only a £25 million loss would be, I think, or sorry, £45 million loss would be decent business on Man United's part. And as I said, that Saudi money does give you that safety net to make these kind of signings and to sell on because I don't think anybody other than the Saudis is going to be in the market for either Casemiro and and Varane when you look at the modern-day versions of the two players, or at least the players that play for Manchester United at the moment. But you could also argue that Manchester United is the place where players' careers go to die. You could also say the same for the managers as well, because that has certainly been the case since Sir Alex Ferguson left. I was talking to my friend um, the other day after the game, and we basically reached the conclusion that there hasn't been a single player other than an academy player who obviously um, it's hard to place a monetary value on when they come out of the academy. But it's hard to make a case for any player signing for Manchester United since Alex Ferguson left and saying that they have improved as a player or have increased the market value. There isn't one. It's almost 100% of the players who have decreased their market value. If you look at the last few years, Jaden Sancho arrived for nearly £80 million. Manchester United would be lucky at this juncture to get £40 million for him. And that's really the same example that you could give across the board. Every single player that comes in, they leave Manchester United worth less money than they were and showing no signs of improvement, unlike when players go and sign for the likes of Liverpool, Manchester City and play under the likes of Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp. There is definitely a resale value there, sometimes close to what they paid, but very often more than what they paid. It's incredible that in uh, at the end of the season, Liverpool will be able to get a profit, make a profit on Mo Salah after all those years of service and everything they've had from Mo Salah with him being one of the best Liverpool players of all time. They can still sell him to Saudi in his 30s and make a significant profit on him. That is how you ideally do business. That is how you bring a player through. And that is not something Manchester United have been able to do since Sir Alex Ferguson left the club. Before we move on to looking at this game against Fulham, listening to Eric Ten Hag and even assessing his future, let me take a quick pause here to tell you guys about prize picks. 
With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the Specials League, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, let's use LeBron James and Travis Kelsey, and let's set the combo at 10.5 for three points made and receptions. Now, if LeBron contributed three three-pointers and Kelsey had eight receptions and you add the over, then this would be a winning play. Price Picks even offers a reboot policy. So if your so your entries stay in play, even if one of your players gets injured. So for football basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, the player is rebooted. Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So if that sounds good, and if you want to get involved, head over to pricepicks.com slash SGPN and use the code SGPN for a first deposit match up to $100. That's pricepicks.com and the pricepicks.com slash SGPN and the code SGPN. Price Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. And he also uses pause to tell you guys about the MMA Gambler Podcast Contest. The MMA Gambling Podcast just launched their YouTube channel. And in honor, we're giving away the MMA Gambling Podcast hoodie to one lucky winner. Head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash hoodie to submit your entry today. And make sure to subscribe to the MMA Gambling Podcast now on YouTube. Let's have a listen to Eric Ten Hag. But what's the situation with Varane and the rest of the squad ahead of the Fulham game? Uh, Varane is, is ready to play. So we will be traveling with the squad there. Any other injury issues to be aware of? Um, yeah, just Victor Lindelof. Um, some illness, we have to see uh, if he's ready for tomorrow. You said after the Newcastle game that you, you were a fighter, but people have questioned your the character of some of your players and your squad. Do you believe that they have the, the requisite fight to, to get you out of this position? Ah, but that's not right. And you you can't say that. If, uh, remember only the fight we showed against Benford and that comeback. If there wasn't spirit in the dressing room, if there wasn't um, characters in the dressing room, you could do, you can't do this. Um, Eric, um, last week after the Manchester City game, some quotes uh, attributed to you came out about Ajax and the way that Ajax played and you saying that you couldn't play at Manchester United the way that Ajax played. Is that right? Because I would have thought that most people would think that you came here because of the way that Ajax played. I thought it was the explanation from my point of view was totally wrong. But I can't play like Ajax because I are different players. So I came here with my philosophy based on possession. But also to combine it uh, with the DNA of Manchester United and combine it with the players, uh, with the competences, uh, the the characters of the players. And that do you combine, and I think last year we have seen uh, what that was. I think we played very good football last season. And this season... Is the philosophy is not different. Eh? Only I want to, uh, I would emphasize more on go direct, but the explanation for my direct, uh, uh, they thought uh, that I want to go for long balls. No, I don't want Andre Onana uh, to go for long balls. I uh, know I want to play from the back. 
as as we did, and we tried at every game, also against City, but if an opponent is going so in a high press, yeah, that is a good option to go direct. What I meant with directness is, and I explain it in, I thought it was in the USA, on you all, how we want to play. We want to press. We want to press from different blocks and then go direct because we have the players like Rasmus Hoyland and Marcus Westford and Anthony and Bruno and Scott McTominay who are very good in it with passing for Christian Eriksen with our fullbacks and joining in. That was my idea and I I think I explained it very clear. I mean, sorry, a lot of people can't see that or any real way of playing in the last few games? Oh, I don't want to say that. I think that it's too strong. I think the, the, the intention is clear, but definitely is the case that uh, the execution um, isn't there. But uh, that I think in the moment where we are in with so many changes in every game, uh, we, are, we can't line up the same lineup. Uh, two, three games after each other. Every time we have to swap. And last season was the same with everyone, one player. But now we miss often um, players in the back four. And every time we have to adjust. And that don't help in your routines. And now also the midfield, we have to adjust. Uh, missing Casemiro, an uh, important player. But um, I never brought up this team. Do you know why? Uh, we have to win. And I don't want to find excuses if we're not winning. And but we have to be now more pragmatic, but still, we have to win. And that is a demand, and I don't walk away from that. Eric, you've had two really bad home defeats. You've got to win tomorrow. Everybody feels that. What have you said to the players this week, and what sort of reaction have you had from them? They are, they are positive, and that they, they want to put this right. And um, we know the standards here, and we have to match the standards. Uh, every day and yeah, we had two uh, big setbacks but we will fight back and this dressing room is strong and uh, this staff is strong and this manager is strong uh, to, to put this right So Jim's announced today significant money for the stadium are, are you hopeful of significant money for players? Is, is that an avenue you'll be pursuing now? Now he's made his intentions clear about the stadium? I, I have a good squad and I'm convinced of the players in this dressing room. So uh, these players, and we have seen last year, they, uh, they can do a lot better, uh, but that is up to me to let them play better. I have, I have to take the responsibility to let them play better, and I will put every effort in to get this done, and I'm not um, thinking about uh, windows, no, because I have a good squad, and we constructed this squad, we have good players, uh, and when the players are available, uh, when they're returning from injuries, what I mean, then we will play better, definitely. David. With so much scrutiny on Manchester United, Eric, is tomorrow a must-win? Is it the most important game, perhaps, you've faced in your time here? I never think in such scenarios. I think in we have to win every game. And we do, as every game, we put every effort in and we prepare it very good. And I'm sure the players are ready for tomorrow to execute their plan. Eric, winning at Manchester United has to be in the DNA for all of the players, and I'm sure you feel the same yourself. How do you get back to that, and how do you get back to being hard to beat? I think that the players are, 
uh, how to beat and but in this moment it's obviously and when you have such two defeats and we didn't show it and uh, but I'm convinced on the long term the players will uh, be and uh, will be hard to beat uh, and they know how to do it yeah, you're not hard to beat if you're being beaten by the second-string Newcastle team. Man United certainly, certainly not hard to beat at the moment. Have lost half their games in the Premier League. Look to be teetering on the brink of an exit in the Champions League and are out of the Carabao Cup. So already at this stage of the season, it looks like returning to the Champions League is beyond us. A Champions League exit could be on the horizon, if not an exit from Europe entirely. If we don't get our act together, we might not even be playing in the Europa League after Christmas. And the FA Cup looks like the only realistic hope of a trophy, but that would involve Manchester United being drastically better by the time that competition starts. And that's almost supposed to be an automatic, according to Eric Ten Hag, once we have more players fit and available at the moment. We just continue to lose players whilst we've just got Regulon back, which means that we can now play a fullback whilst we wait for... Aaron Wan-Bissaka to return to full fitness. He did get some minutes in the game against Newcastle and Luke Shaw also to return. We're still awaiting um, a first-choice centre-back pairing. We've now lost Casemiro for seven weeks as well. And up front, the forwards have provided just one single goal between them. Marcus Rashford has scored the sole goal and he himself has had a poor season. Rasmus Hoyland has yet to get off the mark in the Premier League as has Anthony, as has, of course, Jaden Sancho, who hasn't played, and as has Garnacho, whom a lot was expected of so far this season. So there are much bigger problems than injuries. It is difficult to see the style of play. It's hard to defend these players and call them fighters because ultimately, if things don't improve, they will get Eric Ten Hag the sack, which is unfortunate. He's being blamed for a lot of this. I think people are very quick to forget that he actually overachieved last season and is somewhat the victim of his own success. But at the same time, I will not defend the fact that these are his signings. I never agreed wholeheartedly with the signing of Mason Mount. Andre Nana was his choice of goalkeeper. The way Andre Nana plays was what was something that he wanted and he just hasn't done well enough in the shot-stopping department. Um, Unana's been much better in the last few games, but the start he made makes him among one of the poorest signings of the season so far. And I think Mason Mount may actually be the poorest signing of the summer so far. Amrabat doesn't look like the same player who played in the World Cup. There's probably a reason why he's on loan to United. He also doesn't play with any confidence. He doesn't want the ball and immediately wants to get rid of the ball as soon as he has it. Who also doesn't look like the same player in terms of the way he presses, the aggression, his positioning on the field. So that also looks like a so-so addition to the squad with um, Amrabat being nowhere near the player that we saw in the World Cup. And obviously... Um, the World Cup does something to you, brings out an extra 10, 15%. So maybe we weren't going to get that version of Amrabat every single week, but it looks a far cry from the player that I watched during the World Cup. In forward positions, Garnacho hasn't kicked on this season. Anthony doesn't look any closer to justifying his transfer fee. We all know what's going on with the Jaden Sancho situation. Marcus Rashford seems to have down tools since he's got his contract. 
he's having a poor season. Bruno Fernandes doesn't look like he can fill the role of being a key man in midfield whilst also being a captain. The captaincy again seems to be dragging down another player. But this is a team who lack leaders and lack players who you can even uh, even um, cipher as realistic contenders for the captaincy. Because if you took it away from Bruno, who do you actually give it to? You can't give it back to Harry Maguire because Harry Maguire is barely in a team and wasn't working as a captain anyway. Rafa Varane doesn't look like he's going to last very long at Manchester United. Andre Nana still got there. Casemiro again looks like a player who won't last very long at Manchester United. You can't give it to any of the fullbacks because they are in and out of the team. Uh, Luke Shaw as well is the, probably the only one you would say is a regular for the team, but he doesn't really have any leadership skills from what I've seen so far. And then you run across the rest of the team. Can't give it to Garnacho. He's too young and in and out of the team. Can't give it to Anthony. He's in and out of the team and doesn't have any leadership qualities. Scott McTominay is not a first team player, or at least he isn't most of the time. Christian Eriksen's also not a first team player now at this point. Mason Mount is a flop who shouldn't really be in the first 11 and certainly isn't captain material. So yeah, looking across the board, it's looking very, very poor for Manchester United. And Eric Ten Hag said himself, he constructed the squad. So he isn't completely blameless, whilst at the same time, unbalanced enough to say he did not become a poor manager overnight. So this is now a must-win game against Fulham. It seems like we're talking about must-win games all the time and we'll cover it in a second. Before we do that, let me take a quick pause here to tell you guys about Hall of Fame Bets. Stop betting in the dark and join over 30,000 users researching with Hall of Fame Bets to craft more intelligent data-driven parlays. Download the Hall of Fame Bets app or visit hofbets.com and use the code SGPN to get 50% off your first month today. Start researching, start winning with Hall of Fame Bets. So we move on to the game against Fulham, which again, as I said, is another must win. Manchester United seem to be playing in these almost every couple of weeks, but um, it's more about the performance levels. I think they've been more concerning than the actual results. Anybody can lose. Man United could have easily been knocked out against Newcastle, but it's come against the the second string team with just three starters in the lineup and it's another convincing 3-0 win. So back-to-back wins against City and Newcastle Old Trafford for an average scoreline of 6-0 is why we are so concerned at this junction, why this is a must-win game against Fulham and the books have United as the favourites to pick up that win at the price of 6-5 plus 120 with the draw being at 13-5 and Fulham being the 5-2 underdogs. Now, I always handicap these games open on Honestly, which is why you were able to profit on Newcastle knocking Manchester United out of the Carabao Cup on Wednesday, which was a very difficult thing to do. Think of that from my perspective. I'm a Manchester United supporter and I'm telling you that we're not going to win this game. Not only are we not going to win this game, but on my 40th birthday, I've taken my son out of school and I'm going to witness our exit. And I have decided to drive over 200 miles to witness a game where I believe we are going to go out and have even given it out to my listeners and clientele and said Manchester United will not win this game. Obviously, my hopes of Manchester United getting the victory were 
improved by the fact that Newcastle did put out a second string team. But then when the result didn't come to fruition, a result that I wanted as a supporter, not as the host of the Soccer Gambling podcast, that makes the loss even more concerning and subsequently makes Manchester United even harder to back in this must-win spot. So Fulham on the double chance market at the price of 8-11 to to avoid a defeat in this game does seem like the place to go. United are yet to put in any convincing performance in any competition so far this season. They've lost three of their five away games. They were poor away from home last season. And this Fulham side have only lost one of their last five at Craven Cottage, winning three times. This is going to be a very difficult place to go to for a team in crisis. Fulham will know that Manchester United are a team in crisis and will be ready for the game from the very start. Marco Silva is an attack-minded front foot manager and Fulham will go at Manchester United from the very beginning. It would not surprise me to see Manchester United under pressure from the very start and for Fulham to even score the first goal in this game. I think if Manchester United do get the draw, that doesn't exactly alleviate some of the pressure from Eric Ten Hag, but I also don't believe he'll get the sack. I don't even think he'll get the sack if Manchester United do lose a closely contested game. But if this is another convincing convincing defeat, then I do think this could be the end of Eric Ten Hag as early as this weekend. This reminds me a lot of... Manchester United's trip to Watford under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer where it was finally decided that that was beyond unacceptable when Manchester United were beaten 4-1 away to Watford. Prior to that, we'd had a very poor performance at home to Man City where the 2-0 defeat in the derby did not reflect how dominant they were. And of course, Liverpool came to Old Trafford and won by five goals to nil. So after losing away to Watford, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer just had to go. We've had those two home defeats now under Eric Ten Hag and now this could be our Watford game against Fulham because this would be a massively unacceptable defeat if it is by a significant margin. And uh, I don't think in any way Eric Ten Hag is beyond the sack because he finished third last season. We've sacked Jose Mourinho before um, before Christmas off the back of a poor start to the season, despite the fact he finished second the season before. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer also got sacked off the back of finishing second the season before after a poor start to the season where he got sacked. So it's not beyond the realm of possibility. I know Richard Arnold is a big fan of Eric Ten Hag. I know that Eric Ten Hag performed a minor miracle last season, getting Manchester United into the Champions League and then into two cup finals as well. That's something that our very reactive supporters are very easily forgetting. I'm not, and I'm trying to keep it more balanced, but even I will find it difficult to make a case for Ten Hag if Manchester United are dealt another significant defeat on Saturday. I think United are unbackable at the moment. This is a must-win spot, but I don't trust Man United to respond in that situation. And my selection for this game is going to be to take Fulham on the double-chance market. Fulham plus half a goal. Fulham to essentially avoid a defeat. And we unfortunately take that at the price of 8 to 11. That's it for me and this edition of Bet MUFC. Good luck with all of your bets as always, guys. And thanks for listening.